Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Good morning everyone. My name's Jean and it's my privilege to share a few things with you this morning but even more so introduce a few uh, members of our community who are going to share some of their stories. I uh, wasn't able to be here in person for the previous two um, in this mini-series in Psalm 23, but I was able to tune in online, which was brilliant, and I can highly recommend. They're all there. If you haven't been able to be here in person or stream it live, to go back and look at those. And as I'm mentioning that, I just really want to honour all of our technical team that make that possible. It's really special that, for me particularly, to still be a part of Sunday morning when I can't be present in the building. So I wonder if we could just honour them, giving them a really big round of applause. I love the Psalms, and the Psalms have become increasingly more important to me as I journey with God. One of the things I love about the Psalms is that these are full of the whole gamut of human emotion that you can imagine. These are real people in real situations sharing brutally honestly with God where they are at. There's awe, there's wonder, there's praise, there's joy, but there is also anger, despair, confusion, and frustration. And in those moments when the psalmist is crying out to God, you've forgotten about me, where are you? What's going on? There is no rebuke from God. There is no rebuke from God. I know we've been in Psalm 23, but I've also been dipping into Psalm 22, written by the exact same author, a guy called David, who is also often referred to as a man after God's own heart. And that very same David in the previous Psalm 
is crying out to God, why are you ignoring me? And yet in Psalm 23, he says, you lead me by still waters. And there is no indication in Psalm 23 that circumstances have particularly changed for him. He says he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And I know from my own life, in my darkest times, it has been when I have given a cry of despair to God, when I've really given it to him and not held it into myself, that although those circumstances haven't changed, something in me switches. Like when my husband was diagnosed with a terminal cancer, or when my best friend's husband was left for dead in a hit and run. I can't tell you why those things happened, and I can't tell you why one of those was miraculously healed and the other one wasn't. But I can tell you with absolute certainty that I know God was with me in all of it, that he didn't miss a beat and he did not leave me and that when I was broken, he was broken with me. And that is the heart of Psalm 23, possibly one of the most loved and well-known psalms for very good reason. If we could read the Hebrew, we would see that that verse, you are with me, is absolute front and center, 26 Hebrew words before and 26 after. This is poetry, it was placed there deliberately for us to know that that is the heart of this psalm. In the valleys, in the mountaintops, everywhere in between, you are with me. God never leaves our side. Rich shared at the beginning, about Jesus, the good shepherd, whose attention and protection is close and personal. Alice brought us to that place where God breathes our deepest emotions with us. And we're just gonna sit for a moment in that final part of the psalm. For surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now there's a problem for us, probably most of us, I'd hazard a guess that most of us perhaps are not fluent in Hebrew, apologies if anyone is, but the English just doesn't capture what the psalmist is expressing here. The word surely is an expression of certainty. It's not a question, it's not surely your goodness will follow me, it's a certainty. The word goodness doesn't quite capture it. God's goodness is extraordinary. It is consistent. It is is his very character. It is not dependent on our circumstances. It is who he is. As sure as water is wet, God is good. The next part, so in this translation that we've heard here is translated as mercy. You might have a different version of the Bible. There are lots of different attempts to translate this next word. The Hebrew is a word chesed. 
Try that right back in your throat. If you're not spitting on the person in front of you, you're not doing it properly. Chesed. Good, good. Just wipe the backs of your head. Great. We probably need a lot of words to try and get our heads around that. And even then, we are not going to understand fully the depth and breadth of what that is. It's a loyal, loving, absolute kindness. It's a steadfast, unchanging love. And what we see in Psalm 23 is this beautiful picture of God as the good shepherd up front who knows the way forward with his rod and staff of comfort and protection. And from behind, pursued by God's absolute goodness, loyal, loving, kindness, and steadfast love. The picture here, the heart of this psalm, is God is present with us. He breathes our emotions with us, and he flanks us on all sides, regardless of circumstance. I'm now going to hand over to a video story from our wonderful Sinead. As I've reflected on what the goodness of God means, I've come to realise that his goodness is not based on an outcome, because outcomes can change. Uh, God is unchanging, and I came to depend on his unchanging nature in my storm. When Reuben, my son, was diagnosed with cancer just before his fourth birthday, our family walked a sometimes difficult path for the following couple of years. Um, during that time, I was really grateful for God's rock-steady nature. I sometimes thought of myself as being in a boat, rocked by a storm. The reason for the storm was unclear, and perhaps in hindsight, it was actually unimportant. Uh, once or twice, I met people from uh, other religions and other faiths. Some of them suggested I'd done something to deserve it, uh, something wrong, but I never thought that that was true. It wasn't reflected of everything I knew about God's nature and his character. All I did know was that God had ultimate control of the situation. There was no area of the problem that was too big for him. And there was no part of it that was out of his hand, uh, either considered unimportant to him or just too difficult for him to deal with. That was impossible. He had the power to bring an end to it. I suppose what I learnt was that if God doesn't calm the storm, he stays on the boat with you. He's not watching as a spectator on the shore, uh, waving at you as uh, the waves crash down on you. Um, he's subject to the same shaking that you are. Looking back, there was never a moment where he left me. Um, sometimes on the journey, there were some pretty big waves, but I felt like Jesus was subjected to them too. And he often grieved alongside me. I don't think Jesus ever leaves us in our storm. If he doesn't calm it, he sticks it out with us. Uh, the main difference is he's not afraid of it. God is in the boat. God is in the boat. Chris, are you okay to come up and share your story? Hi, thank you. Um, I'm Chris, nice to see you. Uh, I'm Sinead's husband. And uh, I want to talk about a similar time that Sinead talked about, but also going back a few years before. I made some notes, I should probably read from them. 
otherwise it would be different. Um, so Jean very kindly asked if I'd share a week or so ago, and I would uh, spend a bit of time looking at the psalm and just re- trying to reflect on it. And I saw that David writing the psalm had three needs that he felt uh, that he needed. He needed rest and restoration. He was worn down. He felt close to death, maybe his death or death of those around him. He needed comfort. And he had enemies, those against him, who wanted him to fail and he needed support. And as I was thinking about those things, I thought I, I can empathize with those three different things from different times in, in my life over the last few years. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple of them. Uh, as life's gone on, I've learned more about me and who I am. And I've learned that I do tend towards depression at different times. Uh, I've had that I see when I was at school. I've had it when I was a bit older. Um, and I only knew this for certain about uh, seven years ago when I had a, a diagnosis of it. And that's great. It's good to understand it. Uh, I've then also learned how to be resilient to it, to notice it and to push myself in the other direction uh, where I can. But after the um, diagnosis of it about seven years ago, I felt completely burnt out. I felt completely unable to give anything of myself to anything anymore, to work, friends, my family, passions, things that I like, to God. Um, I remember thinking things along the lines of, how can I ever do anything worthwhile again? There's nothing good on the horizon. It's, It's not a nice place to be. And then in time, I got better. I had um, help, I had rest, I had friends, I recovered. Uh, I knew God as someone who could give me rest and could help me feel better. And again, as I was preparing for this, I was looking through a, a journal from around that time. So a year later, on the 12th of April, 2018, I wrote a, jo- a note in my journal saying something on the lines of, I'm in a really good place right now. It feels like lots of things are coming together. Um, there are good things coming that were happening. Um, and then I reflected that I know that things will change again and life will again be difficult and I'll feel deflated and burdened, but right now I'm going to enjoy where I am. That was really lovely. It was a nice time. Uh, one year later to the day, my nearly four-year-old son received his first dose of chemotherapy to save his life from cancer, which had been identified less than a week before. That was a very difficult time. We knew he'd been ill, and we'd been searching for answers for, for what it was, but we didn't know how close he was to death. He was very close um, on many different times over the next year. There are many times, uh, many moments from that time that are etched into my memory. I remember feeling the loneliest I've ever been, and absolutely terrified. And... I also remember feeling a very tangible presence of God, like a cocoon or like a sleeping bag around me. As I lay in the uncomfortable hospital chair that becomes a bed for parents next to my son, who was crying because the morphine had worn off and the other children in the ward were disturbed, crying, being treated. Uh, Other children with similar diagnoses, not doing well. Some not, not surviving. And there are moments when we felt very close to the end as well. And I recognize the words, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, because that's exactly how it felt. And I also recognize the words, I will fear no evil, because you are with me, because that's exactly how it felt as well. Um, 
I'm absolutely convinced that God is good and God is powerful. And if the worst were to happen, I was convinced my son would be safe in the father's arms. There's a stained glass window there, which meant a lot um, at that time. Uh, there was one particular weekend we, we weren't sure if he was going to um, reach the end of the weekend. Um, for various reasons, only one of us could be in the hospital at one time. And I, I was here with my daughter, Edina. Um, and similar to what Karis was saying, I felt absolutely unable to, to stand up to be carried. I, I lent on two people to stand up. Um, I don't think either are here today, but if you are, thank you very much. Uh, and then that stained glass window has a picture of three uh, soldiers from the First World War looking at Jesus, who's standing like this. And at the bottom it says, because I live, ye shall live also. And it gave me a lot of comfort knowing that death is sad and difficult. And it's not the end. Um, I didn't want my son to die. And if he did, it would be okay. That's just how it felt. Um, and praise God, his treatment was completed successfully. He is doing well now. At the time, it felt all-consuming. And if I, anyone spoke to me about anything, this would be what I talked about, um, if I wanted to talk at all. And while this will always be a part of my story, our story, it no longer dominates everything. I rarely think about it, really, although it often comes as a surprise when it, when it uh, pops into my mind. And there have been other moments since then when it's felt like everything is coming together, everything's doing really well, there are good things on the horizon. So what I reflected on, having thought about this psalm over the last week, was I know that life changes. That's what it does. The highs are not forever, and the lows are not the end. And my experience is that God can be found in all of it, and that he is with us. a loud clear message here this morning God is with you no matter where you're at he is big enough for you to throw anything at him much like a really loving good parent who sees their children happy and really rejoices and loves that when a child is in pain the parent wants them to come straight to them and not sit in that alone. And I think that's a real encouragement this morning if you're in that place. God is with you, but also as a community, as a family, we're in this together. We're in this together. There is full permission to lean on the faith of this family, of this community. A few years ago, I climbed Mount Snowdon very slowly. Um, and we got about three quarters of the way up the mountain when this mist just completely descended on us. And you could see probably maximum two feet in front. So there was one person in the group that knew the way and the rest of us hadn't a clue. 
but we couldn't all see that person at the same time. We had to kind of end up in a bit of a formation. So the guide at the front leading the way, the next person eyes on, the next person eyes on the person before. When you can't see the good shepherd, when the mist has descended in your life, then you have permission to lean on your friends who have got their eyes on the good shepherd for you. I wonder, Andy, if you might be able to come up and um, we'll just have a little bit more sung worship because I feel that it would be completely inappropriate to leave this space without suggesting that we pray for each other. If you are sat around someone that you feel safe with and that maybe you know or maybe you don't and you'd like some prayer just reach out to that person and if if there isn't anyone or you're not really sure or you're here by yourself please absolutely come forward and we will come around you and pray with you